Joanna, do you ever wish you could definitively prove that you had the right opinions about movies? Uh, yeah, Neil, because I do have the right opinions about movies and television, right, Dave? No, because I'm more right about those things, and I demand trial by content. Oh boy, what is trial by content? Each week, we'll take on a huge question. Each of us will bring a choice, and combined with listener submissions and your votes, we will come to a decision. It's trial by content every Tuesday on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Don't let Neil win. Don't let Dave win. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back into the Ringerverse, your Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. I'm Joanna Robinson. If you're sitting there saying, uh, excuse me, uh, it's Wednesday. Where are my midnight boys? I've got great news for you because Van Latham and, and Charles Holmes. Yeah, they're here. Hi, guys. Hey. 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 <laughs> Uh, also, of course, my my homie Joe Mia Diderot and his alter Steve Allman are also here, and all together we are a very special crossover team, known as House of Midnight. Hello, pew pew. We need like working, a, we need like title. A, we need like a House of Midnight <laughs> thing. Yeah, like a Steve. house of like like a big house of a house of midnight. Ooh, Ooh like a, a choir. Oh, yeah. I love that for us. Mm-hmm. This is this is where our, our two stone hearts will beat as one on this podcast. Um, mm. how, how am I here? Why am I here? What are we doing? That's a great question. Here's the deal. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot going on. <laughs> a lot of TV, a lot of movies, a lot of things going on. Also, our beloved pal Mallory Rubin has been like working her fingers to the bone in the content mind. So she is off. She is away. Very rare break for Mallory. So... We're covering Midnight today, Wednesday. Friday, your regularly scheduled Midnight Boys antics will be here for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness breakdown on Friday. And then, if you want to get real nerdy about it, like extra nerdy, like like shove you in a locker nerdy, Mallory and I will be back on Monday to do like the deep dive into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And then... I've heard a rumor that we're going to have maybe even one more Doctor Strange episode next week. It's rumor on the wind. So stay tuned for all of that good stuff. Um, before I get into everything that we're going to talk about in this episode, we have a lot to talk about today, and I'm going to break down what exactly we're going to be hitting in a second. I want to tell a quick story about the Ringerverse family, and it's this. Last night, Steve and Van and I were on a Zoom call recording another podcast uh, for the Prestige TV feed. We were talking about Ozark, right? 
It was nighttime. Van's in New Orleans. Nighttime. He's going to eat his dinner. And this is how he signed off. He said, good night, guys. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Because he knew we were recording this in the morning. (laughs) And it was just (laughs) the cutest thing. (laughs) Wow. I have never gotten that type of sign off. I feel like my heart is breaking. I love my people. I love my Ringerverse family. Except for you Coke Baby Chuck. It's fine. Oh, (laughs) shut up, Charles. See, look at you. You got to take everything negative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Can I tell a really quick? Can I tell a really quick story that's also Van-centric, but he has not heard it yet? I love it. Yes. I I come back from Barnes & Noble last week, and I'm like, and I pull out Van's book, and my girlfriend goes, you got Van's book? And I'm like, yeah, I just picked it up. She's like, all right, cool. I want to read it, but I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble 2 and get a copy because I want to support it myself. Oh, and wow. I'm just like, I was like, See, this is the most heartwarming thing. You've never met so, Van. I was yeah. just like, you're the best. She's the greatest. <laughs> it's a new book so household. Great. I love this. Yeah, I love it so much. The Ringerverse family. Here we are. Together and in love to talk about Moon Knight. Ever heard of it? Finale happened, and we're here to talk about it. We're going to talk about Moon Knight. We actually have a jam-packed show. Moon Knight, we're going to break it all down for you. Hot takes, cold takes, medium takes, all here for you. Then, I don't know if you saw, but it's May the 4th. It's Star Wars Day, so of course Lucasfilm dropped an Obi-Wan trailer. Uh, I am contractually obliged to talk about Ewan McGregor anytime there's an uh, Obi-Wan anything, so we'll be talking about that. And then also we have an interview this week with Moon Knight director Mohamed Diab, so we'll be asking him some questions about how this all wrapped up, what the future he sees for the show, et cetera, all that stuff. So three segments. I mean, what more could you want from a finale? <laughs> not, a, not, not much more. Not oh, much I more. Could all, right, right, all right. All right. So let's get into it. We're going to start with Moon Knight finale, obviously. Um, yes. Van, our, our man in New Orleans, you, uh, you, you liked this episode. Tell me. Your broad Moon Knight feelings about this episode. Okay, so, you know, <laughs> I'm watching. <laughs> 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 okay, so I dug it. I, I uh, so, okay, we'll, we'll talk first watch, second watch. So I watched it one time, I, I liked it, but then, you know, I watched it again. And second time wasn't as good, but I watched it and I liked it. Let me tell you what I liked. I liked the fact that uh, in this, we got a new superhero. I always like a new superhero. We got Scarlet Scarab. Layla turns into Scarlet Scarab in this episode. Uh, to varying degrees of success, Her she debuted as a superhero, I'd say. However, she still debuted. That's very important. Um, I like the fact that we finally got a superhero mashup and a superhero team. And that team was... Mark and and Steven together, there's actually scenes where Oscar Isaac is varying between Mark and Steven line, like line to line, which I thought was really, really cool. And I thought that overall, the God battle between Kanshu and Ahmed, uh, the, all of this, that it kind of all worked for me. It felt bigger than the rest of the show had felt up to this point. It it, it felt bigger. Having said that, I get that a lot of people are having problems with the finale, but I understand the problems that they that they are having. I am out. I liked it though. I will be honest with you. Didn't love it, but I liked it. So Charles, you know, I'm um, 
I'm a fan of the Midnight Boys. I listen to this podcast religiously. I have heard you all season be like, uh, excuse me, are you going to have any Moon Knight in your Moon Knight show? Where's the Moon Knight? That's all I want. You got a lot of Moon Knight in this episode. So Charles Holmes, at long last, are you satisfied? Yeah, sometimes you should be real careful what you ask for. <laughs> you know? At this point, it just feels like I'm uh, in a perpetual uh, Peanuts cartoon where I'm watching these shows. And I'm just like, I'm gonna, they're going to kick the football this time. Or I'm going to kick the football this time. The finale is going to be dope. They're, come on. They're going to learn from their mistakes. They're going to learn from their mistakes. And at the last minute, that football uh, gets taken away. I go flying and I have egg on my face. And yes, I did say that I wanted more Moon Knight. But let's just say, um, yeah, I realized why they didn't have them on screen that much for the entire season. And I think we're going to kind of get into that more later. But Joe... Let's not act like I'm the only I'm the only oh, spice no, 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 cadet I'm not, I'm here. Not leaving you out. Come on, you had some spicy takes about the season. I'm not now. leaving you out alone in the desert, Charles. I think I'm probably somewhere between you and Van. Like I have I have a lot of questions and comments about this finale, and we're definitely Charles is not alone on on the on the vine. I promise. Uh, we're gonna talk about it. Uh, some some other Midnight Boys might have even spicier takes. Honestly, and that's 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 all true and all and all happening. But I do. I mean, I agree with Van that there are things to like, and and we all liked things. I like things. Finale. I liked yeah. a lot of things in it. There were things we liked, but I think. For me, I mean, this is the constant question of the Marvel finale is like, we knew it was going to be come down to like a big CGI punch fest. It always does, um, except for Loki, I think is the only real exception there because that's like really a character, you know, drill down character conversation. And I always prefer the like penultimate episodes, the like right before that. So I didn't expect to like this more than I liked five and I liked five. Um, it wasn't... A, a disaster or anything like that. I just think it was sort of mixed. And I do, I do wish Mallory was here to balance our scales because Mallory could then just be like, I loved it and here are all the emotional resonant reasons why. Mallory always like convinces me that I like things more than no, I do. We don't but... need to balance the scales. We heard what Ahmed said. We do need to balance the scales because this was this wasn't a bad episode of television. Okay. It it, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad episode of television. And we're going to talk more about this later on in the week. I am rapidly coming to the conclusion. So I had this theory back in the day, and I wrote this very controversial piece. It was called Five Ways That Michael Jordan Was Bad for the NBA. And no one could think of any way that Michael Jordan was bad for the NBA, but I thought, I thought of five ways he was bad for the NBA. I started to think that same thing about Endgame. Everything that Endgame gave us, there are residual effects of the post-Endgame MCU that are bad for the MCU. And I think partly, this comes from my experience and other recent things, not going to spoil anything, partly, I might need to rejigger the way I look at certain things in this because... Uh, of course, there's going to be a CGI punch fest in, in the last episodes of these shows. The CGI punch fest is, is what superheroes do. They punch each other, right? Totally. Absolutely. And like, that's that's the thing. It's like, it's it's what a lot of people love about this stuff. And so I'm not saying it shouldn't be here. I'm just saying I always know that it's not going to be the thing that I'm going to love the most. Do you of know course. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So 
But this show, this this show had its moments, and I thought this this ending, uh, the way the show ended, and a lot of decisions that it made was pretty indicative of the the run of the show for these last six episodes. Before we get into sort of like a little beat by beat breakdown of what happened here, um, I want to ask you guys now, and then maybe I'll ask you again at the end. <laughs> Where are you sitting right now with? Do you want more Moon Knight? Has this like? Is there enough here uh, that you're like, hell yeah, give me like put him in other shows, give me a season two, give me Moon Knight in movies, Go, like you know, bring Scarlet Scarab along, like let's do it. What do you think, Charles? I think Moon Knight is too big for TV and not the character, but in terms of what they want to do with the character, the level of CGI that they want to do, um, the type of actor that Oscar Isaac is, I just think would have always lended itself better to the big screen. And while I don't want a season two of Moon Knight after this season, I would like for them to give Moon Knight his own starring vehicle on the screen. I think I would enjoy that experience a lot more. I just think like the star wattage and everything that they wanted to do on Disney Plus, it just it, it's it's just too small to contain all of that energy. Man. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like if they let's if they make it, I'll go see it. You know what I mean? Like if 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 they make it, I'll go see it. Like I I I I'd be lying if I said I gave a shit either way, whether or not the character ever comes back. Is that Damn. true? Of, like, is that true of all Marvel characters? Or not at, at all? This point? See, that's okay. a, that's an indictment mm. because this was this is the trick that they used to do. Right? They used to take characters that we typically didn't care about, and then make us care so much about them that they become characters that we lean on. I'll be honest with you. He was an important comic book character, but I never even gave a fuck about Captain America back in the day. Never cared. Like, like, like never cared. Like, it was cool when you would see him, but I never cared. Now, I care a lot, you know? But when you think about it, you don't care about the Eternals. You don't give a shit. The movie did nothing to make you really give a fuck whether or not you see them again. And we kind of on that same shit with Moon Knight a little bit. On the, on the flip side, I desperately want to see Sylvie and Loki again. Can't wait to see him. But it's not the return. It's not coming back the same way, you know. Of all the things that I could say about this season of television, I can't say anything negative about Oscar Isaac's performance. I think Fantastic. it's perfect. Yeah. And so I would be curious to see that character and that performance in another setting to see how I feel about everything then. Do you know what I mean? Let's talk about Layla. Scarlet Scarab. This is this has been like a popular theory running through the season that Layla would turn into the comic superhero known as Scarlet Scarab. Um, Layla is a show invented character, but her father's name, the character's name is similar to the name of the man who is the Scarlet Scarab in the comics. So they, they made Layla Scarlet Scarab. That's cool. Uh, she's Toeret's avatar. Did you think she was going to get the costumes and the powers here, even though like people have been talking about it all season? Or were you, were you surprised, Charles? How did you feel? Uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised because... They had been kind of telegraphing for the entire season how badass Layla was. I think there was multiple points when I was talking to Van where I'm like, Layla's uh is just as formidable, if not more so than Mark. So that wasn't what I was surprised about. I was more surprised about how messy 
her transformation into a hero was. I think Layla dropped off the map for two entire episodes. And when she pops up again, it's just like, all right, you're the avatar of Tarot now, who you don't have any emotional connection to. And now you're a superhero. You know how to use uh, your Falcon powers and you're going to go help Mark. And I was just like, you guys did such a good job setting up who Layla was throughout this season. It seemed like a missed opportunity to rush her getting powers because I don't even know what her powers say about her character. Like, it's cool CGI. Like, cool, she has wings now. But it just felt like she was shoehorned in because of the plot instead of, like, methodically being like, hey, she has a relationship with Tyrett. This is why she would agree to be the Avatar. This is how she feels about her power. Now she's going to go help Mark. It was just like, no, the plot needs it. There's a big battle. You need to go be a superhero. And I kind of felt cheated. I think I would slightly disagree in that I like the scene, the the part where she turns Conchu down. She's like, uh, no. <laughs> you know, like, she's just like, I don't think so. And then uh, she's resistant to Toera too. And then just sort of, you know, rubber hits the road. And she's like, I guess I got to suit up. And then she loves it. She has a great time with it. And I feel like, you know, we're going to talk about or I guess we can talk about it right now. Let's talk about all the Layla stuff. Like, I think it's weird that we don't see any kind of wrap up for her story at the end of this episode. I think that's really weird. She like, you know, tells Mark he has a choice of whether or not to kill Harrow. And then she's just gone from the rest of the episode. She doesn't appear to be in London. So like, you know, I can make a fanfic where she's just like, likes fighting crime. So she's going to stay in Cairo and be a, an Egyptian superhero. But if you're going to make the character that important, I need I need a little bit more precise resolution on her. Van, what do you think? I think this is the whole thing I was getting at back in the day with quarter flipping. I think I was getting at the fact, I think what I was getting at is the fact that just like, there's a difference between telling a story and then just doing shit. <laughs> you know? And I really, to be honest with you, didn't even think about the fact that they didn't really resolve her. Like it, there was so much going on that I actually, it slipped my mind because her involvement in this is it, it was, she was important that she was around at different times, but at times it seemed like very haphazard and just like that rather than being a part of the actual narrative of the story of the story that she was a plus one. It felt like sometimes, you know, um, and I enjoyed Moon Knight. I enjoyed Moon Knight, but at the end, during this fight, you got Harrow. He's doing his thing, pulling from the dark dimension. I maintain that that's a fact. <laughs> and and he's, the color he, of his magic. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going on. Everybody knows it, but we have to argue by it on the Midnight Boys. That was so not the argument, but continue. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the, who rules the dark dimension? Whatever, bro. Okay, like whatever, man. So, so it's Doctor Strange week. We can talk about Dormammu. We, we, yeah, we should be able to talk about Dormammu. But, uh, but no, like I'm watching it, and there's so much happening, and sometimes you don't even stop to ask why. And if you start asking why, then you lose it a little bit. Um, I enjoyed watching her be empowered. I thought the moment with the kid saying, are you an Egyptian superhero? Even though it was a little on the nose, I still kind of dug it. Let me give you the easiest fix for that. Just take out Egyptian and have a young girl say, are you a superhero? In, I believe she's speaking Arabic. 
and have a woman answer in Arabic, yes, I am. There you go. I like, are you an Egyptian superhero? It's a very like, you know, all the girls assemble for Endgame sort of. I, I, the the minute it happened to me, I was just like, I was just like, it felt a little cringy because I'm like, if Black Panther like showed up in like Civil War and like a black kid was just like, are you an African superhero? I would have been like, whoa, what's it? What's happening? And I'm just like, yeah, to Joe's point, I was just like, no, the the fact that Layla has these powers, she's like this strong hero, toe-to-toe, going with Moon Knight, protecting all these people, is, is the inspirational part. You know that she's Egyptian because she answers back in Arabic. The minute you put, are you an Egyptian superhero? I'm just like, oh, there's not any subtext to it. It's just totally, they're saying the thing that you should be feeling, can which I, kind of can- robs the moment. Can I push back a little bit? So you ain't African, Charles. <laughs> so the real question would be not how you felt about that moment that would have been in Civil War. It would have been how African kids feel about that moment in Civil War. You know what I mean? And so I like I like I I get it, I understand it, but I don't know. Maybe if I'm an Egyptian kid. And I'm definitely not going to run. Joe, here's Jomi. There's Jomi. Jomi's jumping in. Like, <laughs> like, like, Jomi, how would you have felt? Jomi might have been down with that. That would have been cool as hell, man. <laughs> no, don't even. Don't even. Don't How many? How many African superheroes do we got out here? You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So like, you became the yeah. straight thing like an African superhero. All right, right, I'll ask so, you this. I'll ask so you this. I, so I'm saying, you know, I don't know. Wait, right. wait. We said African superhero. Egypt. Egypt is in Africa. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Egypt is in Africa, but she specifically said Egyptian. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, yeah. because not all. We should stop doing that to Africa. Many different parts of Africa, and people have different ethnicities. <laughs> That's right. Because right. right. the last time we got caught, we got you caught. weren't around. You weren't around. Oh, what happened? Uh oh. So we talked a little shit because we thought. <laughs> Inside of the pyramids of Giza. Oh no, I remember that actually. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But listen, but listen, everyone. When everyone, no matter what, uh, they were on the Aeneid Council, went out like a bitch in this episode. Ah! <laughs> United colors of like bitch is what happened to the Aeneid in this episode. Well, yeah. What are you gonna say, Charles? Van, um, your your favorite superhero, uh, formerly known as Falcon, is from where you're from. If yeah, you is. saw the Falcon kicking kicking that. In Baton Rouge, <laughs> as a kid, we should be like a Baton Rouge superhero. <laughs> are you a Baton Rouge superhero? Are you a Baton Rouge superhero? Are, are, yo, are you a Louisiana superhero? Right. Point made. <laughs> I guess it would be cool. Layla looked amazing. Um, like the costume, I thought looked really cool. You guys have any thoughts or feelings? Speaking of Falcon, about her wings that you want to express right now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
she kind of made Falcon look like a bitch. I ain't going to lie. Like, she just, like, this is further, like, Falcon is just kind of washed erasure. Where I'm just like, yeah. damn, Layla looks so cool with these wigs, doing all this shit. It took her, like, five seconds to learn it. And Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Falcon was just like, what's going on? Like, Falcon, oh, did, Falcon. No, Falcon did nothing cool with his wings for six years. <laughs> six years. <laughs> It took Falcon six years to do something cool with his wings. It took Layla five seconds. Layla was like, Layla's, Layla's using the wing to slice things off. Uh-huh. Layla, Layla's blocking with the wing, throwing stuff back with the wing. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure what she can do, though. Are the wings her only power or... She had super strength as well, right? She had super speed as well. I felt like she, she has, was getting out of the She way. had some speed, some strength, and she... I don't know if she has the healing that Mark has when he's in the Moon Knight suit. But can, Mark is like impervious in the suit. Can I ask you guys this while we're on the the topic of like powers and uh, Egyptian avatars? I don't know. Are you a Baton Rouge superhero? <laughs> I am not. I wish I was. <laughs> just shooting gumbo from my from my veins. Anyway, I was kind of just like, all right. So we know that Mark has powers from an avatar, and we know that now Layla has powers from Tauret, both avatars. The Egyptian Council. I'm just like. It would kind of make sense that their gods would also give them powers um, to do what they may through the world. And for Harrow to just, like, dispatch of all of them without them putting up any fight, I'm just like, no, this is, like, this is what I'm talking about. This is messy. Like, I don't know how powerful any of these gods are. I don't know how powerful Mark is compared to Layla. Like, do you get powers when you're an avatar with a god or not? I was just kind of confused. I don't know if maybe they're playing... Okay, listen. Again, I'm going to write some fanfic and say maybe they're playing by different rules because there's that whole, like, rift between gods and men and and they have this, like, non-interventionist policy whereas, like, Amit and Khonshu are like, let's go murder some people. So, like, maybe the relationship between the Avatar and the god is different for these, like, re- rebel gods versus the council. That being said, the council being as dumb as they were earlier in the season where they were like, this guy Harrow who's bleeding out of his sandals seems totally reasonable and we have no reason to suspect he's up to anything and let's, you know, make Mark feel like a piece of shit, all this stuff. Like, they they did Mark so dirty earlier in the season and then as soon as, and they're like, oh, someone's re- resurrecting him. It must be Harrow. Like, I don't know if you guys talked, I can't remember if you guys talked about this on here, but over on the House of R, Mallory and I concocted a whole conspiracy theory that like Osiris was in league with Harrow to try to understand why it all went down the way it did. And then obviously that was not the case. These guys were just idiots and then they died off screen. So <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question. Do, do all of you guys have siblings? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, so y'all both have siblings. Let's say that your sister or brother was dating someone new. You walk into the living room, they're going to make dinner. When you walk in, Arthur Harrow is sitting on the couch with the cane, the sandals, looking exactly the way he looks. Do you know what you would say? I don't trust that motherfucker. What, what, hey, you'd pull him to the side, like, hey, Oh, uh, they'd be in there. We I have to go stir the pasta. You'd be like, oh, I'll help you. And you come in there like hey, you, 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 you walk into the kitchen and you'd be like, hey, something about this motherfucker don't seem weird to you. Like, well, why does that tattoo on his arm? Why does it move around? He held my hand way too long. Something doesn't seem weird about this guy to you. Dog, and he's the, wearing open toe sandals with glasses, glasses bro, on the bottom. Like, uh, what the fuck man, are you doing? And, and, and the fact that they just 
They literally just punted right there and believed everything. It's nuts. But once again, little threads like that that are sloppy in a show that, let's be honest, let's give some grace. Yeah. Moon Knight was was juggling some pretty weighty shit. I got a really good email, actually, from a listener who is like a is a psychotherapist in London, actually. And she was like really praising the show in a way that I thought was really like in terms of the way the show handled DID. Uh, she was like, they crushed it, honestly, and and really broke it down as to why. And I just thought, yeah, I want I want to give the show its due where it deserves it. And I think that's an area she got really specific about it too, in terms of the way that identities are formed. And that's an area that I think they really did their due diligence. And there's just like some sloppiness in the margins elsewhere, but like the thing that they really needed to nail, which was the DID, which is the the thing about Moon Knight that we were all the most scared for them to tackle. I think they did a a pretty good job, you know? So uh, then can I ask, because I was thinking this the entire question with the DID stuff where it's like, you have a show like Loki that kind of was the anomaly where they're just like, hey, we're not going to do the punch fest. This is a show kind of about identity and loving yourself and loving other versions of yourself, all of this. And they went for it. They just talked for the entire last episode. For me, I was just like, as much as I'm just like, I want to see Moon Knight, I was just like, is there a version of this show throughout the six episodes that's like, maybe we tone down a bunch of the Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones, different type things, and we just try to focus on this very specific story that we're telling instead of trying to be this big Marvel thing at the end? No, and I'll tell you why. Because of who the character is. Loki is a trickster, right? Like Loki is a trickster. There's Loki's entire uh, grounding ethos as a character is around playing psychological games on people, right? So putting Loki in a world where he's psychologically unsure and has to talk through a million different things seems to be a natural thing for the character. It seems to be that you're not recoding the DNA of the character in doing that, right? Moon Knight has a lot of things that go on with the character that are psychological. That is what the character of Mark Spector is grounded in, right? However, as a character, Moon Knight is a dude who punches and kicks. Let's just keep it all all the way funky. Moon Knight is a guy who punches and kicks, gets the shit beat out of him, beats the shit out of people. That's the thing. That's the thing at the end. Batman. Batman is a detective. That's great. I've seen the Batman detective movie. Don't want another one. I don't want a whole another movie. I, I'm being for you. I, I don't want another one. It was good. The one time that they did it. Want to see Batman do cool shit and fuck some people up for a reason that makes sense in the story. You know what I mean? And so from, from, from Moon Knight, all of that stuff is around superheroes doing superhero things. And, and, and to me, it's harder to take the character out of that because being a brawler and being a sadistic guy who gets fucked up and keeps coming is in the DNA of the character. And it's, it's it would be difficult to do that and not feel like something was missing. It would feel weird and all. I don't think I'm advocating for taking the brawler aspect, the fighting aspect. I'm more so like, 
Yeah, I don't know. Two giant gods fighting at the end. I don't know if that did anything for me, like, story-wise. It didn't make me like the series anymore. It just kind of was like, oh, you spent a lot of money on this. I care about Moon Knight still. Like, can we get back to him? There was, and they were just juggling yeah. a lot. There was one shot where uh, Mark and Harrow or Stephen and Harrow are brawling in the streets, and then you just see the gods in the background. That was... I thought that looked pretty cool. That was dope. I thought that looked really cool. <laughs> um, I didn't like that. The gods I just did. up there just doing uh, their thing. That was <laughs> yeah. hey, this is this is my hot take. This is my hot take order. I realized after watching this, I was just like, oh, this has the entire narrative arc of a Power Rangers episode, a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode, where it's like, it's the little guys Jesus fighting, Christ. and then yeah. it's the big monsters in the background, and like, once you beat up the big monster, then you get the little villain, and you have to like, take him away, and cuff him, or do whatever, and I was like, oh, okay, not only does like, the fight choreography look like Power Rangers, the entire concept of this is a Power Rangers episode. That's not me saying, that's not a negative thing, I love the Power Rangers, and I just found it very funny. That's so tough. Well, something, so something I want to say um, about this idea of like, how do we balance the brawl, which we want, with like the Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones stuff, with the psychological dream space stuff that they did in this? Like, those are the three elements that they're trying to balance here. And something that Jeremy Slater said in in the interview that we did with him on House of R last week is that there was a version of this where they wanted to maybe just do hot. Is this real or am I in a hospital the whole way through? Like it is in the Jeff Lemire Smallwood comics run. And then he's like, but Legion exists. Like Legion exists. And we didn't want to do Legion, right? Mm. Like Legion is already there. So like we decided to do this hybrid thing instead because we didn't want to look like we were just like copying Legion. And I was like, yeah, that's, I can get that. Uh, But I think for me, I think some of that, the like reality bending are we inside Mark's head or are we in reality stuff? I could have done with a lot more of that. In addition to Van, what, what you're saying, which is like, yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have some punching. It's a superhero show. Got to punch someone. Right. Um, also, I just want to really zoom back really quickly to representation. And I just want to say as someone from Northern California, I feel like Arthur Harrow, a white man obsessed with Egypt, walking around in his gym jams and sandals, uh, is representative of my culture. And I just want to say to your scenario where I am stirring, helping my sister stir pasta in the kitchen. Um, the number one sign that I want Arthur Harrow out of the house is I 100% guarantee you he reeks of patchouli and I want him yeah, gone. Patchouli. Get patchouli. your patchouli yeah. stink out of my store. Get patchouli. it out of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny? So let's say, let's think of movies where we're not sure about things in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Not sure whether or not he's a replicant. Mm-hmm. You know, we know now, but then it was a thing, right? Yeah. Men- not Memento. Uh, Inception. Inception, yeah. Movie ends. The top, thing. The top, top is spinning. Top is spinning. Every time I watch it, I'm like, did that bitch wobble? It did definitely not. wobbled. I don't know if it wobbled. We could do a whole episode <laughs> on whether or not it wobbled. I don't know whether I, or not it wobbled. I would talk about Inception for hours with you guys. Yeah. All right. right. Well, first two, he's a replicant. It wobbled. Continue then. Okay. All right. Shutter he's not Island. A replicant. Shutter, Shutter Island. Shutter Island. He's not a replicant because we got the sequel and we know. I know we got the sequel, but the sequel. I love the sequel, but that's bullshit. He was a replicant in the original. Continue. Okay. Whatever. So. So. Shutter Island. My, Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Same thing, right? There's a lot of work you have to do in the middle of those movies to get you to the point. You have to take people out. You have to make people 
I don't what, what I don't think that you can do is you can't keep coming back episode in and episode out and making us doubt whether or not what we're watching is real because it lowers the stakes. Like for what it is, like for what we're watching, it lowers the stakes. It makes us go, oh, well, this could just be a dream. So what difference does it make? You know what I mean? But like all those movies take us through all of this stuff with a layer beneath the surface that this might not actually be happening because you, you're put in a world where these things sometimes don't exist, where sometimes humans aren't humans or sometimes dreams seem real. This show never really established that dynamic to me. It never really established, it, 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 it wouldn't have, it didn't really work that way to me. It like, it took us there in one episode that everyone loved, but it, it just seemed like it never quite knew exactly what it wanted to be. And this comes from a show that I really enjoy, enjoy watching but from like, week to week. And, but it's like playing with that. I mean, it feels to me like it's playing with that at the end of this episode, right? Because like- I think so too. All this stuff happens. They're back in the asylum. Mark and Steven together make the decision like, no, we're going to leave this because we choose to believe that we're a superhero and we're not in an asylum. And then in that asylum space, they've like messed with whatever the Harrow thing is. And now Harrow is lost his mind in an asylum space. But then in the real world, Jake, I mean, I don't, the ending is borderline gibberish to me, but I'm not that mad about it because I can hang with gibberish when it has to do with like, is this real or is this not? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You talked about stakes. So I want to talk about that for a second. All right. Let, let's run down some things that happen. And this is just comic book storytelling. I 101, I agree. But like right. Mark dies in episode four. He dies. And then Steven becomes like a, a sand statue at the end of right. episode five. Sand demon thing. And then the like those things are undone super quickly. Yes. So do we care at all about that? Like the Steven thing felt like it resolved. You know, they left us with Steven in the sand and we're supposed to think, Jeremy Slater called the schmuck bait last week. Like, we're supposed to think like, oh my God, is Steven gone? But then he's like, back immediately. Are we, does that feel like messing with the stakes too much? Or are we too emotional with like Oscar Isaac acting against Oscar Isaac and like talking about protecting his more vulnerable self, et cetera? Charles, what do you think? That scene, this, in the season finale, rubbed me the wrong way for a couple of reasons because... Mark says, you are the only real superpower I ever had, which is something that I had been expecting this whole time of Mark going on this journey where he realizes that DID, this mental illness, is is a strength of his, that he doesn't have to run from it. Where I'm just like, yes, thematically that makes sense. And then a couple, like a couple minutes later, when they're having the big fight, Steven goes, I'm really jazzed about showing you these new skill sets we have. And I'm supposed to be like, all right, this is when we're supposed to figure out that like Steven and Mark have figured out how to work together. And this is the big thing. And Steven just ends up doing like Kung Fu. And I'm just like, wait, no, I thought the thing about Steven is he's smarter than Mark. He's more emotionally intelligent than him. All of the, the things that Mark lacks, Steven has. And that's why it's so interesting. So for him to turn to Layla and go, I have these new powers now. I can do Kung Fu. I'm just like, I thought your superpower was like intelligence and being able to connect with people. And it just kind of like robbed the death of like last week of Steven of a little bit of its emotional weight because they're trying to have it both ways where they're trying to say something very, very deep and nuanced about mental health inside of comic book nonsense, just, I don't know if they kind of landed. Can I phone a friend on this? Yeah. 
I want to hear Jomi on this. Jomi. Jomi. Sometimes um, he sometimes he goes and does. I guess, stuff. I guess he's a little busy right now. Uh, oh, maybe he's oh. working on the Rubik's cube. Yeah. I do. I do have something. Can I? Can I read part of this email that I got about DID? Sure. That yeah. I thought leave was really interesting. In. Steve, by the way, leave that in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just him ghosting us. Yeah. Just Joey. Sure. Joey ghosting us. Leave that in. All right. Okay. Well. So this this person was talking about how oftentimes in DID, when you develop two personalities, you separate some sort of. There's like the good personality and the bad personality. Like you put all of your shame and your guilt and whatever into one personality, and the other one is completely shielded and protected from that. And so the theme that's been running out throughout the season of, of shame and guilt that Mark feels for everything that he thinks he's awful, that he has this like death wish. And then in this episode, Harrow's like, you're the weed that should have been pruned, like all this sort of stuff. And that Steven is, is the good one. And so this person wrote in and said, in healthy, ha- healthier, happier minds, good and bad are more integrated, more realistic. The child and adult can own and accept their own anger without condemning themselves. For example, equally, they can also care about themselves and their younger self, recognizing their good or vulnerable sides in a generous way. When Stephen fights the sand zombies, so this is about episode five, but when Stephen fights the sand zombies, that's partly what I saw, a self-recognizing and embracing its natural, healthy aggression and not using it as Mark might to punish himself, every murder or act of aggression, a further combination condemnation of himself, making himself into the guilty, despicable person his mother said he was. And so I, Last episode, I didn't love that Steven's like big revelation was like, I can hit things too. I agree with you, Charles. But after I read this, I was like, okay, so maybe it's like, it's not just about I am Mark and Mark is me, which is an important step as well. But like, it's okay for me, Stephen Grant, to be aggressive. That's not being aggressive or 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 being forceful is not just for hateful people to do. I can do it righteously. And then in the end, it's Mark who has to make the emotionally intelligent choice. So it's sort of like a flip, a balance of the scales on each side of the personality is how I read it. In oh, I episode. like that reading of it. I, I like, I like that. I think that's the right way. I think it, well, not the right way. I don't want to say the joy that's the wrong way. <laughs> Chuck wagon. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I like that as well. Because, you know, and also uh, Mark who comes from a sort of military background. I remember my cousin once told me something. He's a Marine. And I don't mean to disparage the Marines. I'm telling you, I'm saying what he said. Okay. He goes, uh, he was talking about the fact that he had wanted to go to Iraq, but he was injured. I was like, first of all, you're lying. Okay. You got a, you got a medical discharge and you're, you're, <laughs> you got a medical discharge and you're hanging out. The rest of us have to go to work. You're hanging getting money, you're straight, don't lie. I would much rather be out there with my brothers. I was like, as a Marine, what's your number, what's your number one goal? To save a fellow Marine? He goes, no. Like, in, in battle, to make sure everybody comes home? He goes, no. The number one goal is mission accomplishment. Now, after mission accomplishment is, is, is done, then you think about whether or not everybody's coming back, like never, whether or not you never leave a brother behind. It's like the number one goal is mission accomplishment. Mark Spector is there and he looks at things from a very militaristic way, right? He's so focused. There's so many people in this show that he's left behind. He's had to leave behind. He left Layla behind because Kanshi wanted her true, but also because that complication got in the way of him doing what he needed to do. He couldn't leave Steven behind. He had a Jerry Maguire moment, a you complete me moment with Steven. Couldn't leave him behind. 
All right. And Stephen fortified by that, strengthened by that. Mark helped Stephen become who he was. And of course, Stephen did help Mark become who he was. I love stories that end like that. I love people reaching into other people and pulling out sides that they didn't know. And I will say from a purely like spectacle, spectacle point of view, I prefer the Stephen fighting because I love the um, the Mr. Knight uh, costume so much. So when he gets his billy clubs out and goes like full daredevil down the streets of Cairo with the clubs, I thought that looked really cool from like a fight. Chore- There's a lot of like muddy, hard to follow fight choreography in that street fight. But I thought Mr. Knight with the clubs. Uh, oh, the billy clubs. To, are- to play Clue. Don't Looks really cool. Last night, I watched Winter Soldier. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Go back and watch Winter Soldier. I just love how much you watch Winter Soldier. I it's like, like one I of watched, my favorite things about you. Last night, I watched Winter Soldier. <laughs> I was in a new city. I needed to I needed to calm down. Yeah. All right. I watched Winter Soldier. Go back and watch the fight choreo. I mean, I know it's a movie. They was getting fucking busy. Like the whole, <laughs> like the, like the, like the whole movie. They was getting Busy. I don't know if they get busy no more, man. Be honest. Damn, man! All these veiled shots. Yeah. All right. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, like it's really nice and all good that Mark and Stephen have co- have figured each other out and are operating with one heart and are now like when Oscar Isaac is playing the transition, he's no longer doing it as an abrupt, as you said. It's like line to line. He's just going back and forth between the two. Uh, however, we find out at the end of the episode, as we've suspected all along, there's a third hyper-violent personality lurking here in the margins. It's Jake Lockley. Conchu was a piece of shit liar when he said he was freeing uh, you know, Mark and Steven from their bondage because he knew that he had uh, Jake in his pocket. Did this... Okay, I want to start with Van. As we've been like suspecting and wounding, like wound up and expecting that Jake is going to show up, did this reveal of him in a post-credit sequence work for you? Are you excited he's here? How do you feel about it? I'm excited he's here because I think that Jake Lockley is Moon Knight. I think his persona will be the persona that, like, if Moon Knight is ever going to transition into a movie and be the hyper-violent representation of Moon Knight. I think you'll you'll get it through him, you know? Um, now, I'm wondering earlier on in the uh, the seasons whether or not that was Mark wigging out and fucking guys up or whether or not it was Jake. I know that we know that at times it was Jake, uh, but, like, I'm not so sure. So the Moon Knight that in the show that, in the, in the comics that is violent, that mm-hmm. is just filled with vengeance, that'll fuck you up, that actually might be closer to what Jake is. I will say this. He shot somebody in the head in a Disney MCU. The, one of the heroes executed the guy at close range. That was unexpected. The, like, the fact that he might just jump there and beat him up or something like that, that's one thing. But the fact that he turned around and pulled out a gun with a silencer. Now, the some, silencer is what really got me, honestly. Yeah, that's some, a, that's some gangland yeah, shit right like, there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and 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 domed him, like like that. That was unexpected. That was actually unexpected. I will say. So, um, I, I I think that what we'll see, we might even see a situation where Jake Lockley kind of takes on a a villain edge. But but yeah, 
I think there's potential for a story where it's like Mark and Steven versus Jake. Versus Jake. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Charles, did you did you want to see Jake just like dominate everything in the street there? Did you feel cheated from that? Or did you were you yeah, were you a little bit? I was yeah, okay. I knew Jake was coming. Yeah. But I think the thing that's kind of been nagging at me a little bit is that they've been doing this thing where it's like you don't get to see the fights, where it's like it's Jake now. And they did that again when Moon Knight was facing Harrow, where he's like, what happened? And, like, we don't get that satisfactory, like, wait, how did Moon Knight do this? We didn't get that badass moment of Jake, like, fucking people up, to Van's point. So I was a little bit like, yeah, it's cool that Jake is here, but since we don't know if there's going to be another Moon Knight TV show when he's showing up next, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like you could have just done the Jake taking over the Moon Knight body fight and I would have been a little bit more excited. Just seeing him in the post-credits, I felt a little bit, like, cheated. Um, is that fair? Am I being too negative? Or No. No, I thought that the same thing. It was like, come on, the, the big fight? We don't get the big fight. I get not giving us... We don't get the big fight, though. Right. That's that's tough. The, the has this been Jake all along question, which is, you know, a question that Mallory and I have been asking as well over in House of R, is... Um, I'm leaning towards okay. So here's the, do you guys watch the show with the captions on? I'm like, I do. I, of course, I have to watch with captions on, right? And so in that final sequence, so there have been a couple times where Oscar Isaac has been playing Mark, and there's been this like accent work, not Steven stuff, but Mark stuff, where Molly and I are like, is that Jake? He sounds like extra New Yorky here. Like, what's yeah. happening here? Um, but when he did that in the final confrontation with Harrow in the asylum space. And he's vacillating back and forth. It said like as Stephen as Mark as Stephen as Mark, and he was using the voice that before I thought might belong to Jake Lockley. So I was like, okay, so I don't think we've seen Jake yet. Did Jake ask that chick out on a date at the museum? Probably did Jake, but I think Oscar is going to do him with like a thick Hispanic accent. Is is like based on like how fluently you know the Sp- how fluent the Spanish was in the final sequence, and I think Oscar Isaac really wants these like big accent differentiations. I don't think it's going to be a subtle difference between Mark and Jake. Um, then what was the New York accent this whole time? Because like going back and watching the episodes, I'm like he's obviously doing a New York accent right here. I don't know what the British accent was to be honest with you. <laughs> I love how we were like from the jump from the trailer. We're like, Oscar Isaac is making interesting accent choices. And then later we're like, oh, this accent choice definitely means there's someone else here. And it's like, or maybe Oscar Isaac just likes to wander around the map sometimes when he's uh, when he's doing his accent work. I don't know. It would be cool if we saw Jake and didn't know it. But I, I suspect that this is our first time seeing Oscar Isaac play Jake. We'll, we'll keep an eye out on the interviews. I'm sure someone will. Or I'll ask Mohammed Diab, and maybe I haven't done, it, I haven't talked to him yet. So maybe, maybe we'll find out later in this episode uh, if that was the case. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of Moon Knight in general, or, or this episode specifically? Go, Van. You know what? No. <laughs> I will what were you going to say? <laughs> I, no, no, because I'm going to save it. Oh, oh, for Friday. For Friday, I'm going to okay. save it. I'm going to okay. save it, and it's a very important public service announcement. That I have. I'm going to save it. But I will say overall, I dug Moon Knight more than I didn't dig it. Thought it was cool. But it's another take it or leave it effort. You know what I mean? It's it, it's, a, it's a... Which it's is a, how Hawkeye felt to you, right? And Hawkeye was cool. 
Yeah. The only thing about Hawkeye, we could have left, we could have left Vincent D'Onofrio. But I'll I'll save it. I Wait, mean, not, we just not, not save it, but like I, I want to hear your full when you can talk can about we, right. can the movie. Can we do that a midnight meter check in at least? Can you give the people yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got a yeah, number yeah. for this too? Okay, okay. For this too. Uh, get Stephen Joe and I don't know if Jomi's back. Jomi, are you here? Jomi, Jomi, are you around? I'm here. Okay, yeah. Jomi, yeah. where the fuck were you? Don't don't act. <laughs> we we called on you earlier. You weren't there. Don't try to play us. Oh really? I was probably in the bathroom. Got to stay ready, man. All right. Um, I can't use the bathroom. You got to stay ready. Remind me, remind me what is above 10 on a midnight meter. Like, we're not probably not going there. I just want to know. Like, remind me, it's 12 is for perfect films, perfect superhero films. So, Dark Knight, uh, Van Game Changers, Game Changers, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, obviously. Uh, that is that is like your 12 and sometimes your 11. And then one through 10 is just like 10 is like. Great, perfect, not a game changer, but this was great television. And then mm-hmm. down from there. All right. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was so gallant, Charles. Thank you. Um, I will say, I'm gonna say eight. That's what okay. I am. I concur. Jomi? I am I'm gonna say an eight. Eight seems right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, eight seems right. Steve? A seven. Steve, I will say, Steve came off this finale very salty. Steve was pissed. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, Steve was salty. Steve was All right, Steve, come on. Give us, give us like a the short yeah. take. Like, give just, us, give I think I was just more like, I think this was a daunting episode of television to watch. <laughs> I, th- I was, Jesus I was over encumbered with the amount of television that was happening on the screen. Oh my God. <laughs> It was a lot. I, th- I think they, they really empty out the chamber for this one. Steve and just said I don't... you have to be a superhero to watch this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Steve said this was the worst episode of television he's ever seen. Steve exactly. said I needed exactly. an alter ego to help me process all I, of this episode. I needed possibly three. I... <laughs> it's such a load. Uh, anyway, but I, I I don't know. I think it was it was uh, w- with the highs that the penultimate episode gave us I feel like they probably split like two episodes into this finale and I was just it was overwhelming it was it was a lot and uh it kind of took away from the end product a little bit Charles what's your number yeah, this, is, this is a six this is a six. six yeah Je- Jesus Christ I was diplomatic I thought you was about to kick him in the <laughs> nuts <laughs> I was diplomatic to me I mean six, six but we all agree that Oscar Isaac is like a 10 out of 10. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Shout out, shout out Oscar Isaac. I thought May was great too. (laughs) I mean, what I will say is I don't think it was like Oscar Isaac is like on another tier from most actors in general. And I don't think it was like super fair to ask May, uh, the actress who plays Layla to do the split personality thing when we've seen Oscar Isaac do it so perfectly. Do you know? I was just like, that 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 felt like it was Set her up to fail. There, that that's how wrong. I feel about that. When she was, when she was, uh, when she was doing the the tower thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so hopefully to answer some of the questions we have, we're going to go to my interview with series director Mohammed Diab and stick around because after that, we're going to be back to talk about the Obi Wan trailer. Here we go. Hey. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. What's been the hardest secret for you to keep? Uh, you become a director to share your stories with people. So I always wanted to tell people what happens in episode six you have to w- watch episode five and all the drama. I wanted to tell people how Mark's backstory and how much he is in pain. And no matter how much you like him, it's completely different and, and, and it's much deeper. I wanted to tell people that Layla is a superhero. Um, these are the things I wanted to share with people the most. Uh, let's start with Layla. I, I read the um, the interview that your, your lovely partner gave to marvel.com sort of about the idea that, that, this was in your initial pitch, this idea of, of putting Layla in this position. Can you talk about how, why that idea was so important to you to begin with and how it developed? Over the I actually, course? I want to correct that. Oh, yeah, please. I want to correct that because actually the idea of creating Layla is the idea of the writers. When I came along, it was, she was half Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Me and Sarah and Maine, definitely as Egyptians, we helped shape the character. We help make her who she is. But the writers, honestly, in this show did such a great job and kept writing for two, almost three years nonstop. So I have to give it to them. And you don't know what's happening in Egypt right now. It's, it's our Black Panther. People are having goosebumps. People are like, uh, they want to build statues for the people who were part, are involved with the show. In our part of the world, mm-hmm. people are cult- culturally defeated. They don't believe that they are, because they're always not misrepresented. They're always looked down at. So um, to be heard, to have your own superhero, to have your own music, your own composer, people behind camera as Egyptians and people in front of the camera as Egyptians and the topic on the cake, uh, to have a superhero you don't know how Egyptians are dealing with this show. And even like seeing Egypt, not just entirely desert. That's something that everyone is proud of. Yeah, I love I love that. Um, you know, I've, I've seen you talk in, in several interviews about, you know, the positioning of the pyramids right next to the city, which is something that so many depictions of Egypt get wrong. They get the entire layout wrong and everything. Absolutely. And so that it's it was important to you to to give a more accurate representation of, of Cairo, et cetera. Absolutely. I want to ask you about where you think I'm so curious where you think Layla is at the end of this adventure. What is she, what is she up to? I, I like the way the open ending that we have and um, she might stay in Cairo. She might go back to London, but I'm sure that um, she's going to expand on her interest with, uh, of archeology span and, and, um, uh, uh, 
and returning artifacts to people uh, and um, having more adventures in Cairo and definitely following the steps of uh, Moon Knight and seeing what's going to happen with him. But um, maybe if people like her so much one day, they're going to give her her own show. I don't know. But I just, I myself like her so much. I wish I can expand, be part of the expansion of her uh, character, especially that she's very intriguing in the sense that she doesn't have any um, comic book references. So it's like a blank canvas, do whatever you want. And that was so much pleasure in uh, um, inventing her costume with everyone, not, not just us, me and Sarah, but everyone chipping in, having uh, the great Megan Casper, uh, like our costume designer, um, implementing all the designs in a fantastic way and making it all the costumes that we have were really fantastic. Did you have a specific detail that, that was your favorite of, of her costume? Uh, at some point, she was, uh, the design was leaning more Arabic. And it was very important for me as someone who got her powers from Tawarat, the Egyptian goddess, to have her more ancient Egyptian. And we, um, and we, kept, we had a great design of a, of a goddess and we kept leaning towards it. The wings. Oh, I, I insisted on the wings. I love the <laughs> wings. I love the wings and I love, they're part of the Egyptian culture. Again, it's beautiful. Um, her, by the way, her costume is one of my favorites ever. I love it. Such a great, modern yet old yet. It's, it's such a beautiful costume. It's gorgeous. And it's a great reveal, a great moment yeah. in the episode. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about in this episode is, you know, this, there's this interesting duality between the the fight that's happening in the street and then this giant battle between the gods and the background and um you know i'm immediately reminded of of a big kaiju fight and i was wondering if you what what were your references when you're crafting something like this what are you visually looking at to inspire how you make sure that it all goes together first of all the this whole scene at the beginning was written in a way that it all takes place inside the chamber of the gods but um I thought Cairo looks great at day, but it looks fantastic at night and we mm -hmm. should see it. And what if we have this parallel fight between uh, the gods and, and the mortals? But I want to tell you, sometimes I'm going to say something and I, I don't, I don't want to seem like taking all the credits because everything develops through month. So I have this idea of let's go out and then someone gets the idea, let's make them big. And someone comes up with the idea, but let's let's do them on the pyramids and uh, the, like it's it's such a collaborative process. But I what I absolutely remember is asking that the fight should be outside, and then the process of making any action sequence starts with um, a great artist uh, draws it for after talking to me, mm -hmm. and then we start moving it on the previous, turning it into almost cartoon and directing it and redirecting it until we feel good about it. And then we shoot it. And while we're shooting it, we finesse it and make sure, okay, maybe we can add this, we can cut this. Uh, um, and then the final storytelling is in the editing room. How do you want to put it all together? I'm curious, um, something that I think is really interesting that happens in the finale is you've got Steven picking up, right? The Billy Clubs and fighting. And then you have at the end of the day, it's Mark who has to make sort of the big emotional intelligent decision, which seems like a crisscross of their initial personalities. And I'm wondering, like, as you think about these characters, and I know it's a huge process, I, I love that you are paying respect to the writers. I think that's that's one of my favorite things. The writers get often forgotten, but I'm curious Absolutely. for you, as someone who's helming this, 
What do you think is the most important thing that Stephen learns and what is the most important thing that Mark learns on this journey? It was so, That's a great question. It was such an important thing for us. Every time you see a, an alter ego, like for example, the mask, you see someone who's weak and his alter ego is doing everything that that person doesn't do. It was very important for us to do this as a mirror. So Mark has everything that Stephen lacks and Stephen has everything that Mark lacks. One of them doesn't have the emotional intelligence and the kindness and the openness, which is Mark. Which everything that he lacks, Stephen has. On the other hand, uh, what 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 uh, uh, Stephen, with his shyness and um, uh, uh, his his he's a, he's a bit scared and and those kind of things, um, he doesn't have, but Mark has. So those, in a way, the two of them complete each other. And it's a journey. The whole story is a journey between someone who needs to learn to live with himself. And it always connected to me as a person having my, 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 my persona versus my shadow self, the, the person who has the desires and how to live with the two sides. And you learn that through all your life. You don't learn that in a day. I was talking to uh, Jeremy Slater last week about the decision of, you know, he didn't, he didn't tell me exactly when or if even that Jake was coming, but the decision to have two personas versus, you know, a whole host of personas or even three personas that you're juggling all at once on screen. Um, he, he said something really, I thought really smart about the idea that you really want to drill down on the relationship between these two people, make sure it's clear for audiences, what they're dealing with, not overwhelm audiences. You're, you're teasing throughout the season. You're teasing Jake. We've got a lot of clues and breadcrumb trails that he's coming. What was your thinking about when to deploy that reveal? Um, as I told you, it's a huge process. So when I came along, Jake was, I, again, I hope I'm, I'm remembering right, but I, I think Jake was at the end or not even in the show. We tried the whole draft when we brought Jake more. He was more. But Jeremy was absolutely right because that was his idea of like, let's focus on the two characters. And that was absolutely right. Um, focusing on the two characters and then revealing Jake. And it feels like a new, completely new journey rather than starting with Jake in the middle and not knowing him completely. Because uh, right now I feel like, oh my God, Jake is a, a, a white canvas. He could be whatever we want. He could be, to me, I imagine him like a, a taxi driver. He's, he's actually someone who's depressed and a maniac of some sort. But uh, I love him and I just, I, I think, that uh, choice, which came by trial and error, uh, uh, is the best choice for the uh, for the story. You know, as fans have been digging in and trying to figure out all the clues or, or everything that might be coming, there were some people who thought we had maybe already seen Jake. I asked I asked Jeremy about this, but I'm curious about your answer. Like, have before the post credits sequence, have we have we seen Oscar Isaac play Jake in another scene? In my opinion, no. We only see him on the screen at the la very last moment. That's it. We never saw Jake. We saw what Jake could do in the blinks, and you know, it's for you to, 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 to decipher, was that Jake or Mark at some point in the blinks? But visually, we never saw Jake. What was in the asylum, he was actually talking like Mark and revealing stuff about Mark. So that was Mark, 100%. Something that I really loved about the show is um, as much as I love the big interconnected MCU, I love how it sits alone 
by itself. It's its own contained story. Um, I'm curious what conversations, as you say, it's a long process, but what conversations did you have with Marvel about this idea of balancing telling your own story, having some, you know, really traumatic things happen in episode five, having maybe a little bit more violence in some than in some other properties, but still have it feel like it could fit back into the larger tapestry of Marvel. There's a lot of development. Again, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself, but when we started, there was a crossover with other characters, but just like cross, very, very minimal. But uh, as there was at the, at the very beginning and at the very end, but um, as things developed, everyone felt, you know what, we don't need that. And um, for me, I'm so proud. The best compliment I get when people tell me this doesn't feel like a Marvel show. And uh, that means we push the envelope as much as we can, because at the end, this is a, the Marvel world. Everything has to blend in it. So to push it a bit more is something that doesn't happen a lot. But I think this is the way that Marvel reinvent themselves. And I like that that. A lot of people tell me I'm not a superhero fan, but I love yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and um, that's, that's, that's a big compliment for us. Uh, that is, it's a different show. And for me, to connect to the show, I needed to bring it to my own territory. And I love drama, grounded drama, um, that these are my films. And I, what part of my pitch, me and Sarah, was this is what we want to do. And we want to bring it closer to what we do and, and make it into a character study and Thank God I got the best collaborators, uh, Oscar and Ethan and May, who pushed every day for this to be more of a character study and couldn't have done it without them and their input. Mm, my last question for you is not one that I'm sure you can answer, but I'm derelict if I don't ask you, of course, about you know the future of this character. I know that Oscar has said, like, you know, I want to see how this felt and did, and then We'll see what happens next. It's all it's all a we'll see. But I'm curious if like maybe even if you have any whims or thoughts or hopes of, of what the future of Moon Knight could be in, in the Marvel universe. First of all, Marvel keeps us in the dark. Uh, uh, us as just like you. So I swear I have I don't know anything about what's going on in the future. But I can tell you this. It would be impossible to ignore how interesting and great Moon Knight's character is. So he's coming back in my opinion. But how... Marvel knows, not me. So it's going to be another season, another film, or maybe joining uh, uh, another superhero in, in a journey. So I don't know. And I, I hope Oscar agrees. And I hope I, I, the good thing is we were talking today and he was telling me this is the best experience I had in my life. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so proud as a director and I'm so proud of his great, uh, fantastic performance and everyone in the show. Well, thank you so much for the chat and congratulations on uh, finally getting to unburden all your secrets. Thank you, thank you so, so much. much. Thank you. Thanks. Wow. That was an incredible interview that I haven't uh, actually done yet. And I'm sure I did a great job. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. That's so funny. <laughs> Didn't you think all my questions that I haven't asked yet were insightful? Me too. Okay. Um, let's talk about Obi-Wan. Quick heat check. I want a heat check actually from all four of you. Let's start with Jomi. Obi-Wan heat check. How are you feeling? I feel great. I'm feeling real good about my guy. <laughs> it's just it's just really funny because I was talking to somebody the other day about it. And you know, Ian McGregor looks great. He looks fantastic. But uh Alec Guinness in in the 70s did not look this good 
So hey, watch your mouth. Listen, Different you time. look beautiful. You look all beautiful. I'm all I'm saying is, what's about to happen to Obi Wan is about to be some of the saddest, most heart wrenching stuff we're about to see for him to age that bad in these next like. 10, 15 Listen. years on. Wait, do you think that at the end of this, we're going to get like Obi-Wan turn around, his hair is going to be white and stuff? Got to be. <laughs> man's got to be. He got to be. Emotionally, this man's got to be finished. Like, we're going to look at his eyes and he'll be like, man, why am I here? Like, what's what, like, what's the point of all this, man? You know what I'm saying? Because you don't go to being like, looking like my man's with, you know, he got the, you know, he got the little salt and pepper thing going on, a little gray to going like, even like how he looked in Twin Sons. You know, in in uh, in Rebels, yeah, I'll be in full gray. To... Oh, Jomi likes to flaunt that he's seen Rebels now. I do. <laughs> I, I, I saved my last three episodes for May fourth. I saved it for today. I'm gonna finish Rebels today. I'm so excited. What you cooking for yourself, Jomi? <laughs> what am I cooking? I just might have a burrito, man. I, I ain't got the edge go for cook, it. Man. Space <laughs> burrito. burrito. Yeah, let me. I remember this conversation when Rogue One came out because Jimmy Smith rolls up in Rogue One looking Bail Organa looking exactly the same he looked in the prequels and everyone's like how did well Bail Organa not age at all but uh Obi-Wan Kenobi went from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness and the and I guess the answer that most people had was like it's rough out there in the desert he's sleeping Oof. in a cave in the open winds of the deserts of of Tatooine whereas uh you know we know that Bail Organa is getting a lot of spot treatments you know that's the case so um yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, heat check Steve on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yu McGregor can carry more or less anything, and knowing that he's back for Star Wars is kind of going to be, like, I think the truest test of his powers to that effect. Um, I'm I'm so excited. You sound like someone who hasn't seen the film The Island, if you think that Yu McGregor can carry anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. That's fair. Fair. Michael, Michael Bay somewhere like, what the hell just happened? Who just punched me? <laughs> <laughs> a sniper from long range there from are, Joanna Robinson there to are Michael Bay's two door. Ewan McGregor's in that movie and it doesn't doesn't help doesn't save he, the thing he needed, he needed it was the only superpower he had <laughs> Charles have you seen the island? no I'm just kidding um, have, how do you feel about the trailer? man I gotta be real the streets been the streets been dry. People been stepping on the product. These Disney Plus shows ain't been bringing it. You know what I'm saying? We just got the Mandalorian. It's rough out here, and I know full. I know my man Ewan McGregor. I know Obi Wan gonna restore the feeling. Like we down bad. We've been down bad, and I know for a fact if Obi Wan doesn't resuscitate this shit, I'm gonna be heartbroken. I'm gonna hang this shit up. Like I be, that's how much I believe in this show. It's all I believe writing. in it. I believe so much. <sighs> All riding on one Scotsman. All right, uh, Van. I refuse. I refuse to have any expectations. (laughs) Why? I was wondering why you've been making that face this whole time. (laughs) I refuse to have expectations. I refuse. Why? (laughs) If I if you don't have hopes, they can't dash them. You know. There you go. I refuse (laughs) that. I think it's going to be good, but fuck it. We'll see after the first episode. We'll see after the the Steve A. Yes, a summer <laughs> of no opinions. That's going to be me. Just bring me the stuff. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of going to the thing and thinking the thing's going to do the thing and then the thing does something else. It's unfair to the creators. But but seriously, though, uh, I, I'm expecting Obi-Wan to be good. I just want to see the Inquisitors, I'll be honest with you. I like Obi-Wan. I want, like, obviously, at the end of the, the trailer, the big thing was Darth Vader 
And I was annoyed by that. It's annoying. It's like, yeah, they're doing the same thing where Darth Vader's coming back, Darth Vader's coming back. All of these people are becoming one-trick ponies, man. It's like, it's like, yeah, I want to know what Obi-Wan went through. But don't just, don't just make it about, oh, and Vader's going to be there too. We know he's going to be there. It's like, just make it about the story. I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. And no, let's, right, let's, let's talk about the Inquisitors. So we've got, there's like the Grand Inquisitor, the third sister, the fifth brother, fourth sister. That's We see all of them in, in the trailer. Moses Ingram is playing the third sister, and she just looks like extremely boss with her lightsaber. Van, you can just like, if you don't want to talk trailer hype at all. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> you, can, you can sit it out. But I just, I, I'm really intrigued by that character, the Moses Ingram Riva character, who seems to be the main person hunting Obi-Wan. She looks incredible in all these trailer shots that we've seen. Uh, I'm, I'm down. How I, know is, why, I know why you are, Joe. Why is that? Because sisters are doing it for themselves? Sisters are doing it for <laughs> themselves. <laughs> it's a girl power movement. Like, I know, I know why you are. Sisters are doing it for themselves. It's a girl power you're not, movement. You're not in our show notes, but I wrote that in the show notes earlier when talking about Layla. That was just right. like an, an Easter egg that I put in for you knowing you weren't going to look at the notes, but I just sisters put them in there for you. are doing it for themselves. Charles, sisters, go ahead. Sisters can be bad guys, too, is the point. Sisters, right, can, right. Be, sisters can be dicks. All right, Sis- go ahead. Mm-hmm. Everything we know about the Inquisitors from, like, Rebels, I'm going to be honest, what's Obi-Wan going to do without his lightsaber? We don't see his lightsaber in any of this. There's three Inquisitors after him. I'm like, Obi-Wan, like, come on, man. You got to just take the lightsaber out, bro. You are not facing down three Inquisitors. I don't care how how dope you were in Clone Wars. There's no way. He will. I mean, I feel like, he will at the end, and we'll be like, oh, my God, you know? Yeah, he's going to have to bring the lightsaber. But I'm looking forward to Kung Fu Obi-Wan, though. With him just fighting. He's just fighting you know a guy in, like, a, in like a jacket in a in an alleyway in one shot. This is some guy who looks like he walked out of a Guy Ritchie movie. And they're 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 rock and rolling in the in the in a an alleyway. Camille and Johnny's here. Mallory and I, when we did our egregiously long breakdown of this trail of the last trailer. We were so certain that Kumail was going to be voicing a droid, but we get we get his beautiful I've been to the gym for Eternals face uh, in in the trailer. So we know that he's playing a human. There's some debate about whether or not people think he's in Jedi robes or if people think he's like wearing like a smuggler style jacket. Do you guys have any opinions on what type of character, what type of Star Wars character you would want to see Kumail Nanjani play? Friend of the show, Kumail Nanjani. It would be fantastic if he was a Jedi. I don't think he is, though. Mm. I think that'd be a lot. I think it would be... It'd be cool if he was a Jedi. I just think that, like, setting up another Jedi in an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show is, like, a tall order because, obviously, we are... We're trying to see Ewan McGregor, and I don't know if you could, like, do the the character half you need to be like, all right, this is a new Jedi that we're following in, what, this is six episodes? Yeah, that's going to be a lot. And they have to juggle Vader and the Inquisitors. Uh, I don't know. I I'll be like, honest with you. Yeah. Oh, go, oh, go. I'm sorry, Joe. No, go ahead, man. I think this is the most important show they've ever done. It, Disney Plus or Star Wars? I think Mando Mando and Wanda were like, because that showed us that they could do something, right? So I think those two shows were so important. But I think, sorry, you asked Van this question and I'm answering it. But like, no, 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 Joe, I'm listening to you. But like where they are now both in the way that people feel about Disney plus shows in general and about star Wars in general, 
like Obi Wan is such a beloved character. I mean, that's why they, they gotta get it right, right? They, that's they, what I'm saying. Like Wanda, Wanda had the Wanda could be inventive. It could be like all over the place. And, and Mandalorian was a new character. They have got to nail this. They wrote all the episodes for this, and then they like threw them out and started over again. That's that's how this series has been going. Where they're like, which to me makes me less concerned and more like knowing that they absolutely know they need to get it right. Do you know what I right. mean? They're just right. sort of like, this isn't it. Let's try again. Uh, for Kumail, I think I feel like I see Kumail as like a reluctant. Like, if he's drawn into stuff, he's not going to want to be drawn into it because we got to get comedy, Kumail, right? Like, this, right. this is this is a person who sat out the final fight of Eternals, um, you know, Kumail. So I, I feel like I feel like scoundrel, reluctant helper scoundrel is is sort of what we'll see here. Maybe betrayed. Who knows? Uh, let's talk about uh, Joel Edgerton as, as Uncle Owen. They're fighting over Luke's training. He, he sh- fires some shots. Speaking of Vader, fire some shots about how uh, Obi Wan, what what uh, kind of a surrogate dad he was for Anakin. Charles Uncle Bear- Owen is right, just as Uncle <laughs> Owen. Okay, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be real. In my, I am halfway through my watch of the Clone Wars, and each episode, I'm just like, dog, the Jedi deserved it. Obi Wan, you're dumb as hell. Like the only person who's just like, damn, th- like. Anakin's kind of getting a little fascisty. He's, he's, he's saying some wild shit. Is Ahsoka? Obi Wan's like, oh, that's just Anakin. He, he won't. He's he's harmless. So if I'm Uncle Owen, I'm like, nah, man. We saw we saw what happened last time. You took one of uh, one of ours away. And chill over there. Like he, he got a point. That's See, all I'm gonna say. This is why I never became anything important. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. This is why I never became anything important. It just it was God. It wasn't in the cards for me. Fate said, hey, man, can't have this. Because I'll, I'll look at Owen, I'll be like, what the fuck? If you don't go irrigate something, <laughs> like, you, like, you, like you, don't, you don't have no say in what we do. <laughs> you get out of my face. You know what? How about this, Owen? You will give me the boy to train. Owen, I will give you the boy to train. If you don't get out of my face, you are you to talk to me like this. Like, like nothing. Dave Skywalker. Do you have some moisture to collect, Owen? Like, Shimmy Skywalker got kidnapped and y'all didn't do shit. Like y'all just let it ride. What was he supposed to do? Kill all of them. The yeah. women, the, the women and the children. Too. Well, the women, and the children. Not, the women, not the women and the children. <laughs> not the women and the children. But they, they, they couldn't even do nothing. I just man came back. Like get out of here, man. I, I, like, I'm just gonna be real. Look, how about Uh-oh. this? How about this? Owen, the galaxy needs saving. One day we might need the boy. When I come, not only do I want him, but I want a brownie too. I want you to bake it. Don't talk to me. I just, I've been fighting for the galaxy for the last fucking 20 years. I could argue that this all happens because Obi-Wan just, he he don't finish business. Like, he don't finish business at all. We wouldn't have had none of this Empire shit if he just would have finished Anakin on Mustafar. But that's... He thought he was dead. You got the force. You got the force, Obi-Wan. You know when somebody leaves. Okay? You know when somebody dies. Vader dark... could not sense his own children. Yeah, <laughs> the dark side at that point, bro. I'll be honest with you. If something, if something, Charles, I'm telling you, 
he, you know how fucking sick Obi-Wan would have had to be to see, to see Anakin go through that and then walk over and stab him with the <laughs> lightsaber? <laughs> you know how sick? <laughs> He's burning. Ooh, he's got to call Jake, Jake Lockley. Jake Lockley, uh, yeah. Please come into the back of my stretch limo. <laughs> Is he, what's more sick? That's his, that's his like brother figure. That's his brother. And he's just, he had to mark his boy, right? And like Anakin is like writhing in pain, like screaming. I, it would be an act of mercy if he's like, man, I love you too much. I can't watch you like go through That's this. actually a decent point. Like, you know what like I'm saying? Like Last of the Mohicans. You remember Last of the Mohicans? Joe, yeah. you see Last of the Mohicans? When the guy, the fucking, this guy in Last of the Mohicans, I don't remember his name. He's one of the most tragic figures in all the film. He wants to get married to Madeline Stowe. She wants Long Rifle. The guy's name that she wants is Long Rifle. It's <laughs> played by Daniel Day-Lewis. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, yeah, she wants Long Rifle. They're going to kill Long Rifle, but he knows that she loves him. So he gets burned at the stake. Burned at the stake for her. And then Long Rifle kills him from long distance. So he has to, has to go through it. I used to haunt me when I was a kid. So, so, Last and, Mohicans. And know, Perfect film. There's a lot of, you talked about the Inquisitors. There's also purge troopers in this. There's just like a lot of stuff that has to deal with uh, both rebels, but also Jedi Fallen Order. There's been a lot of Jedi Fallen Order in this. What is the over under that we will get like a live action Cal from Jedi Fallen Order or like some actual Jedi Fallen Order crossover stuff in this world, Charles? I think there's a big chance that we're going to get crossover. I think Cal would be cool, but it's the same thing I have about Kumail where I'm just like, yo, is there enough if there is there enough TV in this for them to like introduce Cal for us to be like, yo, dope besides just being like a small cameo. Like I don't know. I think if I saw Cal I'd be like, yo, shit, hey, I know him. But I think I would be a little bit like that was dumb if he shows up for 5 seconds and then we just never see him again. Um what about you guys? I think if Cal shows up, it's a sign that they couldn't figure anything else out. Because they just <laughs> uh, be doing shit. Man, I, you were sounding I, like I, me today. I, are, I, you I, okay? getting, are you okay? Are you okay? Bruh. <laughs> He's a Baton Rouge superhero. What are you going to do? <laughs> Bruh, I'm not trying to be this way. I'm just saying, just, just tell us a good story and don't, don't fucking con us with... If Cal fits into the story some, somehow, good. Yeah. Don't don't nostalgic on us, man. Please, please just tell it. Just just tell a fantastic story. It's, it's it, it, and, and I'm sure they will. If Cal has a place in it, I would love to see him. But if he's just there to make me remember how much I love a video game, it's just like it's kind of nuts. I don't think that Lucasfilm knows how to not nostalgic con at this point, right? Oh, like that's God just damn it. That's just their thing, right? Which can like if it's used a certain way can work. Uh, like, you know, I have a lot to love in the sequel trilogies uh, in terms of like, it's motherfucking Han Solo is back. I'm I'm, I'm not going to argue with it. That's, um, that makes sense for the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Sky, even Skywalker coming in at the end of Mandalorian. That's a huge nostalgic con, but it made sense for the story. I'm with you. You know what I mean? So, I do. Yeah. All right. Uh, we already know that Van doesn't give a shit about Darth Vader. That's his spiciest take that I've ever heard from him. But uh, Charles, how do you <laughs> feel about the idea? Yo, shout out. Shout out my man, Hayden. <laughs> Hayden Christensen. 
You know what I'm saying? He's doing what we're all doing. He's studying Clone Wars, which I'm like, it's hilarious. He's like, yeah, I went back and watched Clone Wars to prep for my character, which I find like weirdly heartwarming. Like, this I thought means, it was so sweet. Yeah. It means so much to him. So like, I promise you guys, if you're mean to Hayden, I will find you, okay? Like give this, like, Hands. He deserves this victory lap. I don't give a fuck what he does. He could fart on screen. And I'm just like, I'm glad you got it. Like, I'm glad. Like, I'm so glad for you, Hayden. I'm so excited. My hands are registered E for everyone if you come for Aiden Christensen. <laughs> um, I love the idea of Van sitting, watching this trailer, and then you hear the like, just and he's like, fuck this shit. It, like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, just, come on, man. It's cool. It is cool. I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm just like, come on, dog. Like, yeah, he's in the shit. They they were building Darth Vader. Like, watch, watch they give you, watch they give y'all Vader in two scenes. Watch. Watch. I mean, I have questions about how they're gonna use Hayden, uh, but we'll see. Uh Jomi, Rebel Scholar, Twin Sons Watcher. And we're gonna for the record, Mal and I are gonna do an episode of House of R that's like Obi-Wan prep uh before the uh, the series drops of like what you should rewatch. What you should read up on to get ready to to be in here with That's all the war. Yeah. But um thanks. But Jomi, you've been studying. Mm-hmm. How do you feel yeah, about time. a how, about a Vader Obi-Wan uh encounter? I think we're definitely gonna see them fight as um as Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. But I think the interesting point is you don't have to cast Hayden if you're just gonna see Darth Vader, right? You just put him in a mask. You don't have to cast Hayden. I think we might get some flashbacks. Shout out to the book of Boba Fett, but we might go back and see uh, Hayden and and Ewan, Ewan during the Clone Wars and what they were do up to then. I think that would be really cool to see them in live action like that. That would be pretty awesome. I think that's why you cast Hayden, not just as Darth Vader, but to you know go back in time. Why why else is he watching Clone Wars? You know what I'm saying? He might have tipped his hand a little bit there. You know, we might see that relationship happen. In live action, and that would be awesome. That would make the series for me, honestly. Steve, when you heard the asthmatic breath of a Sith Lord, did you say fuck this shit or did you say hell yes, Darth Vader? <laughs> I could say I said, Oh man, Van's gonna say fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I I I'm so 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 happy that we got Hayden back because regardless of how he used him, which I'm sure uh, it will be great. Uh, to know that he's getting another at bat for this uh, is just as deserving as uh, Ewan. Let me let me just point out two other details from this trailer that are fun fun to think about. One, we get the Obi Wan uh, wanted poster that people were really quick to translate the the Arabesh on there says transmitting wanted colon Obi Wan Kenobi offenses colon high treason bounty colon upon capture. So it's not dead or alive. It's bring him back alive. Uh. Vader wants to see his face. <laughs> Vader wants to personally throw him in a lava pit, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, they're accusing Obi-Wan of high treason and they they want him alive. And then the last detail that I thought was really interesting uh, was that in the fortress, uh, the fortress Inquisitorius that we see, there's like this trophy section where they've got like sabers from captured Jedi and then they've got like youngling training helmets. Can I Dark. can I propose something really quick? Dark, that's yes. fucking tough, bro. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry. I think I'm going to be honest. That's like Anakin's vacation home, and that's where he hangs up all of the all of the trophies from all the little Jedi kids. 
<laughs> Not the youngling. <laughs> yeah. He's just he's just like, yeah, that's the youngling that I killed when I turned, and that's the other, that's the other helmet. <laughs> it's the guy that you guys are excited about seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Like this, this is the guy. This is the guy that. This is the guy that gets the entire fan base. This is the guy that gets their blood boiling. Child killer. All right. I think that. <laughs> I think I do think that Lucasfilm is a little too addicted to the Skywalkers in general, and to definitely to Vader specifically. I think they just don't trust that people will enjoy something without him. And to that, I would just say. Season one of The Mandalorian. Life like, for real. People <laughs> love that shit, and there is nothing Skywalker in it. So, you know. Look, at some point, it's not even... I love Darth Vader. Like, I I, I do. But... Do you? It, I, 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 I do. <laughs> I do love him. But, like, I don't know. I thought all of this stuff was to expand this. I thought that there was a, all of these worlds with genuine, all of these crazy possibilities and stuff, and... And I guess that you guys, uh, I guess that after Ryan Johnson was kicked in the nuts, they got a little squeamish. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And then somehow Palpatine returned, and we all know how that worked out. I so, mean, it's uh, just like, <laughs> at a certain point, it's just not hard. It's just like, yo, just give us the old Republic. Like, just like, come, come on. Just like, give us like a new story. It's not that hard. We will all be very, very excited for it. Uh, I do hope that this is like, the final thing. If I hope this is just like we went to Tatooine, we gave you guys all this stuff. We're doing something new. I do hope after this we can all emotionally move on. Okay, I hope that's not going to happen. But, uh, that's not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But uh, that's what I want. It, it, I maybe I'll just adopt Vans. Uh, if you, if you don't have hopes, they can't dash them for you. <laughs> um, I do. Before we go, I need to represent Mallory Rubin on this fine podcast and just say that you know McGregor looks extremely hot and uh, in every frame. Love the beard. Love all of that. Mallory would, I think, disown me if I didn't say that on her behalf. I would so love if he had a flashback to the better days with Asajj. Him and Asajj getting busy. Mm. What? <laughs> no, I, that was weird, Charles. I'm like, what? What? like, I'm, like, I'm, like, like I'm shipping them so hard. Charles, Here's the thing. So hard. I, the only reason I say that, because you said Asajj and not um, Sabine. Bro, no, nah, fuck, fuck her. Like she's so she's a wet blanket. Ventress is is the real love of Obi Wan's life. Put oh that God. on the Mallory, Mallory just like threw her phone out a window. I said, Steve, you got to cut that because I said Sabine. It's Satine. It's yeah. Sabine is a child. <laughs> What's her name, I, sister? Right? Yeah, yeah. Bo-Katan's uh, sister. Bo-Katan's sister. I'm surprised you said Assad or Ventress instead of Satine. Hell, that's no. crazy. Hell, really? Satine. Satine. Really, y'all? Yes. Mallory's so mad right now. Come on. No, it's about the passion. <laughs> Satine don't got the heart like that. Come well, on, I, yeah. I Charles, this, Charles is a classic enemies to lovers fan. Well, no, I, I said this when I was watching the Clone Wars. I was like, so Kim and Satine, like, definitely, like, you know, they record each other. You know what I'm saying? Da, da, da. And they hope in a, in a perfect world, they would have ended up together. But when they made it, like, official, Obi-Wan would have to pull, you know, Satine to the side, but hey, listen, I ain't gonna lie. I was clapping Ventress. Oh, right. Oh, right. Uh, uh, like, uh, uh, no, okay. All right. Like, that's, Joe, that's just facts. Joe, and, and with my, that, Mallory I'm, never goes on vacation again. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Let's wrap that's, it up. That's Ken. Time to go. Like that's Ken. Time to go. Time to go. 
<laughs> All right, that's a wrap for us. <laughs> um, this coming Friday, the Midnight Boys will be giving their instant, I mean, five days later, but sure, reactions to Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hear you guys break that down. There's a diversity of opinions. It's going to be really interesting. Monday, the House of Our returns to do a deep dive into Doctor Strange. And then I believe we're doing a strange mega mailbag, but don't hold me to that. Schedules can change, but I believe that that's something that we're going to be doing uh, later that week. We'll let you know. If we wind up doing a strange mailbag episode, we'll let you know where to send your questions, et cetera. Um, Our producer, Steve Allman, on the social, Joe me at dinner on hashtag to be in horny jail on social media <laughs> locked up in horny jail uh, and, and thanks of course to additional production from the greater junior Rangapal uh, Charles what do, you, what do you have for us Moon Knight is finally over and Obi-Wan Kenobi is gonna be lit but the next time you hear Darth Vader you better say fuck this shit <laughs> 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 Ha <laughs> <laughs>